0: Unbelievable. Cool. Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street. than Death Valley, South Carolina.
1: didn't play well that week, but um, you know that's our big, you know, our big quote, you know, going in this year is just, you know, somebody, we felt like we got outworked, you know, out, so, you know, our big thing is, you know, never again we'll be, we'll be outworked, never again we'll be, you know, out-competed on a game like that, and it all stems from that game, just because at the end of the game, everyone knew that, you know, they weren't that much better than us or
0: better than us at all.
2: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Swagless wonder Baker Mayfield turned out to be a handful for Kansas as he balled out for 257 yards passing and grabbed OU's 10th victory. Time will tell if internal team discipline takes hold or he loses his grip on the Heisman. Clemson is 10-1 and life is good. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Cody. we got a full house tonight on the podcast for you. This is our Citadel recap, South Carolina preview show. Good to be back, guys. Cody, it's been a while. Where the hell have you been? Well, just got
1: back from South Carolina. Uh, Yeah, I went to the FSU game two weeks ago, it's been now, and it was awesome. It was, again, it was the first game I've been inside in probably six years, I believe. Too long. Uh, And, you know, the atmosphere, actually, I got to say the atmosphere was a little bit, I feel like fans felt a little too comfortable in that game and as it got away from us there at the end like the you could like hear it since the kind of the sense of urgency the With Florida State coming back when, yeah and then we we really did become like a 12th man there at the end but uh it, it was it was amazing the campus new construction everyone's talked about it. everyone sees it crazy just com- looks completely different but uh had, had a great time though and and spent some time in greenville and charleston so stopped by Dabo's house yeah his castle i did hung around it, outside took some photos yeah yeah played uh well he's got like all these games downstairs in his basement yeah he let me come
2: in do you have any interesting run-ins maybe downtown clemson anywhere <laughs> anything at all to report nothing nothing at all oh interesting that's yeah. cool well glad you had a good time uh, glad glad you're back um uh, here to here for this show um ben how about you what have you been up to
3: Uh, Well, uh, nothing in particular, getting ready for Thanksgiving, uh, getting ready for the South Carolina game, looking for, it's one of my favorite times of year, the anticipation leading up to this game, Uh, especially when you're, you know, when Clemson's in such a good place compared to where uh, South Carolina is. But uh, otherwise, just really enjoyed kind of watching. It was a very... uh, it was a more entertaining weekend of football than I thought it would be. With everybody playing, uh, with well, at least most SEC and ACC teams playing a lot of cupcakes this weekend. Uh, but that first 9 a.m. slot on Saturday morning actually turned out to be really awesome. Not as much action action the rest of the day, but what you had the Wisconsin-Michigan game, game, which I was really surprised it was on at 9 a.m. Uh, TCU was playing, um, and who else was on? I don't know. Some other some other pretty Virginia
2: inter- was then. Yeah, Auburn exactly. Was trailing or, yeah. you know tied. So yeah, I I think, yeah, I agree with you that that was the interesting slate um, of the day. And maybe we can kind of start there at the round, college football. Um, It was a, I think overall there were definitely some, you know, momentous points of the day, but it got pretty boring toward the end in the the evening slots. Um, I watched some of the Pac-12 action later, and Washington definitely made it a more interesting game than they should have. But um, yeah, that... I agree with you. It kind of, on paper, was going to be very boring. You had, like, the Sun Belt games and the SoCon games, um, and really not very many ranked matchups at all, so...
3: No, I mean, the only... Well, we had that Wake Forest-NC State game, NC State sustaining that loss, which, I guess if you're a Clemson fan, you hate to see that, but you look at Wake Forest, they're up to seven wins now, and, you know, they're on our schedule, so...
1: It's kind of the eliminator pool where right. uh, Wake Forest beat NC State and then o- Oklahoma State got beat by uh, Kansas State because it's just two teams that realize they they can no longer make it to the the playoff. You can just see the kind of defeat. I, I think that's what, that's what I chalk that up to. Well, and
3: actually, the, I mean, the big thing about that Kansas State-Oklahoma State game is that, that sets up an Oklahoma-TCU rematch uh, in the Big 12 championship game if TCU is able to get by a one-loss Baylor team this week. And TCU, I think, is a much uh, uh, harder matchup for Oklahoma than um, Oklahoma State is because TCU plays a brand of football that is not uh, very conducive to what Oklahoma likes to play.
2: I think you said a one-loss Baylor team. Sorry, one loss. One win. One One win. win. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's going to be interesting. I mean, so again, like this week, week 11, um, not not entirely – changing the landscape of college football heading into the playoff. I think you're going to see the same likely to be the same, same rankings come out. Maybe I can ask you guys, do you think the committee will change its changes its tune?
3: I really don't think you can. I don't think they have anything to go off of. I mean, Alabama and Clemson took care of Ben's business, Miami, you know, they beat a team they should beat. It was a little bit closer than, uh, I think it, sh- it should have been there at the early going, but you know, Miami's coming off of a, a big win, Could have been facing a letdown week, but they took care of business. And Oklahoma, you know, beat a uh, Kansas team like they should. So I don't think you saw anything from any of the top four teams or even Wisconsin at five uh, taking down a Michigan team that though they were ranked, they're not going to be this week and they're not really that good of a football team. I, I think everything remains where it is. I wouldn't expect to see any surprises uh, come Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, Ohio State beat Illinois, and you take Illinois and Kansas, who who is Oklahoma's opponent? Those are essentially Mercer and and the Citadel. Not not, not a little bit better, but not as good. Not no, good. no. Kansas would probably lose to Mercer and the Citadel. <laughs> they're, they're that bad. Probably. So uh, you maybe you learned a little bit th- from Wisconsin, but at this point, who are they gonna who are they gonna jump? Who are they gonna leapfrog? I don't see. Well, no
3: Cons- Wisconsin just needs to win out. If they went out and win the Big Ten, um, I think they have you know they'll make it in because between Miami and Clemson, one of those teams going to lose.
2: Yeah, I just don't see the order shuffling up too much. I mean, maybe you if you think about the gulf between what Wisconsin and Oklahoma had, maybe that narrowed a little bit. Maybe Oklahoma inched up a little bit closer to Miami and Clemson. Yes, the Clemson went over the Citadel, though, though dominating, and we'll obviously touch on that here. Miami beat a much better Virginia team than they're much better than the Citadel but I don't think you can invert those two I don't think they will so Clemson didn't didn't do anything to lose their position and Miami wasn't
3: uh that wasn't a spectacular enough win to merit bumping them up another spot it just you know they won a football game should have won we'll move on to the following week
1: right i think the only scenario is maybe they blow out virginia they get a slight nod over us but yeah i still give them credit for winning that game and the way they want it coming back yeah. showing a little grit grime you know and of course not being up for the game like they were the previous week there's something something to
2: that we saw it last year and the year before yeah i think the committee if anything might reward not having the hangover effect which maybe was impacting them in that first quarter but they turned it around and got it done well and here's the thing they beat virginia who's not a good football
3: team they're an average football team but i mean they're not really good so uh, that's the the kind of the tale of miami season they have a very weak schedule they played a very weak schedule and you know they're undefeated and they're getting credit for that and all they have to do is beat clemson uh beat, beat pitt and then beat clemson and then You know, if they do that, they'll have their place in the playoff.
1: Yeah, and this is no ACC championship game preview, but I I fully expect to see the version of Miami that came out against Notre Dame uh, rather than the one that played Virginia on Saturday would be my guess.
3: I still think after diving into Miami deeper, all Clemson has to do is not turn over the ball, and I think it's a a pretty, I'm not going to say it's an easy win, but I think it could be a two-score win.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that they're we're I think we'll win that game as well, but I'm just saying I think Miami is, they're, they're a good team. They're and, solid and, football team. I, I wouldn't team. take too much for the the close wins against Virginia, Florida State. Actually, they've had several close wins, so I, I wouldn't take take too much from that.
2: I'm going to cut you guys off there. We are going to fully dive into the Miami game next week after this South Carolina game. <laughs> um, anything else to comment on around college football? I mean, before we recorded, we talked a little bit about, you know, what if chalk plays out? That's kind of, I don't necessarily think it's a likely scenario, Upcoming this week, great rivalry week. I think the number one, my brother and I were texting about it today, just from an intrigue standpoint, the Iron Bowl, obviously is your number one. But there's a lot of other games that could shake up the landscape. Um, I don't necessarily expect a lot of intrigue in the Clemson game. um, But what about, you know, could Georgia get eliminated by Georgia Tech? Um, potentially you know that's, that's at Georgia Tech
3: I mean that's that's possible and then you're about to say Wisconsin at Minnesota I don't see Minnesota winning that game I think Wisconsin uh, plays solid enough football and fundamental football that a team like Minnesota is just not good enough to beat them I think more talented teams will come along in Wisconsin's way and give them a battle but I don't think it's Minnesota uh West Virginia at Oklahoma uh that was keying out to be a pretty big game West Virginia's starting quarterback goes down and I want to talk about something actually entertaining? Interesting to get your guys' take on the uh, the punishment handed down on Baker Mayfield after his gesture that you mentioned there. Mm. Um, do you? What's your
2: take on that? Kind of weak move by Lincoln Riley. Uh, they could have just done nothing. I mean, we see the it the, been the same thing. The, we see the justice going on in the SEC. Yeah, you know, so I'm not surprised at all. Do I think it's enough? Like, I don't know. I don't know what punishment that warrants. So, I mean. Well, I'll tell you it's this, a, and I and I, I don't think
3: that the Kansas players should be let off. Baker Mayfield's obviously the bigger celebrity, um, but I thought it was kind of poor sportsmanship by the Kansas players not to shake his hand by the, at the beginning of the game uh, for what that's worth. Um, I went to KU. I don't care about KU football, but, you know. Um, but, you know, Baker Mayfield, everybody's going to say, oh, he's a competitor. The kid's a competitor. He just let the competitive spirit get to him. But it happens over
2: and over again. A lot of other people playing he, football He's going to get his ass kicked soon. Yes. And probably by us. I hope and, so. God, you know, I want to play them fun. so bad. We'll get cosmic justice. You it'll can act bad. like that when you play in the
1: Big 12 and they don't play defense. Exactly.
2: So. Yeah. Um, I think he's just a much – he's a swagless version of Johnny Manziel. Kind of how I think about it bigger midfield. He's,
1: he's more talented, I think as a passer. but I know, I know that's not what you're talking about, but I will give him credit. He's a, he's a damn good football player. That's all I'm saying.
2: Um, yeah, I think the second most intriguing game of this week is going to be Ohio state, Michigan, Jekyll and Hyde with Ohio state. Let's see what comes out. Um, Jim Harbaugh would love to play spoiler, um, for their season. I believe that game is in Ann Arbor. Yeah. So, um, that'll be interesting, but you know, across the board, it's kind of going to be just all about the iron bowl. And, um, you know, if we assume chalk happens there, kind of chalk happens elsewhere. No big upsets. Um, and Alabama goes on to win it all. The ACC knocks itself off. OU gets by TCU in a couple weeks. Um, where do you guys think? Who do you guys think is going to be the fourth playoff team? You got a one-loss Miami non-champ. You've got a two-loss Ohio State champ, who who will have who will pick up by that point a top five victory over Wisconsin. Well,
3: let, let's say this. Let's say Clemson wins out, beats Miami. Uh, Let's say Oklahoma wins out, and they're in. So you got one-two there. Um, Let's say Auburn goes on and actually beats Alabama and then beats Georgia. You got to put them in. Then you're facing a one-loss Alabama. What if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten?
2: They're in. I think so. Alabama's best win right now is LSU. LSU.
3: Which is It's still a good win LSU's playing a lot better
1: yeah. Wisconsin's undefeated At
2: that point True So it, Yeah
1: You're gonna have a hard time left Letting a non-conference champion in Although That's gonna be A complete contradiction To the Best four teams Because I think at that point You would still right. consider Alabama One of the best four teams I think Unless they show something on film That they haven't haven't all year Yeah
2: If, if Auburn Kick-sixes their way to a win and Yeah for instance, I, back so, to your original though, it, it, let's say it is Alabama, just because
1: I think not to say that there couldn't be some cast in the SEC, but I think just going to go off of probability, I think the most likely scenario is Alabama winning both games. And then you get Chalk either Alabama or either Clemson, Miami. That four team, I think, would be Ohio State. No, I, I think it would, and that's assuming I think they're going to beat Michigan. They have the but worst I think loss, they will probably at beat Wisconsin. So I, I well let's be, I,
2: and then who it's, be who they get in over who's the first team out for you? It's probably so if it's if
1: if we lose to Miami, it's probably us. We're the first team out. I don't know. Then then you have Georgia again, and then Notre Dame. I don't know. There's going to be a lot that'll in my kind of play opinion. Out.
3: If even if Ohio State wins out, if Miami loses to Clemson in a close one in the ACC championship game, I think you got to put Miami in over them because they have one loss in a title game. Ohio State has two losses this
1: year. Agreed. Uh, I just, And they're not good losses. And they
2: they, they got blown out in both, yeah. in both of those, one of them at home. Um, yeah, it's going to be tricky. I mean, this is all – I don't know. People have heard this debated to death the last two, three weeks. So, Do you I see mean, a scenario
3: where the SEC gets left out? Like if Auburn beats Alabama and then Georgia beats
2: Auburn? If Georgia Auburn. loses to Georgia Tech, then that's in play. Oh, that's the only scenario, yeah. in my
1: opinion. I don't think they I don't think there's – Chance in hell that happens. I mean, just, I, there's too much speed from the linebackers in the defensive line for Georgia. It, it's really, it's a nice it's, matchup. It's,
3: let's yeah. fun to talk about. Let's say it's uh, raining in, uh, in Atlanta,
1: playing against a triple option. You never know what could happen. It, it didn't hurt us when it rained against the triple option. I don't know what the forecast is. But I'll say the the one thing that strikes me that's most interesting is this Auburn-Alabama game. It's going to be probably the best one since kick six. And coming into the year, who would have thought this actually is going to be a legitimate game? I think the point spread is it three or seven. Either way, it's a one-possession game uh, in Vegas.
2: That's going to be a great game. And Auburn... Nice weather in Tuscaloosa, nice weather in Alabama. Weather won't be a factor. Yeah, we'll see if they figured it out on offense. No, the Iron Bowl, I mean, Cody, what... What matchup game within the game are you looking at in that game to settle this contest? I haven't, I'm going, I'm going Auburn D against Alabama offense and can, can that aggressive um, Auburn pass rush really get after Jalen hurts and punish them? I mean, I think Alabama's um, Auburn for the most part contained Kelly Bryant's passing and you can chalk some of that up to when we played kind of a similar uh, style of quarterback. Um, Jalen hurts, obviously a more capable passer than Bryant, but, um, you can maybe chalk some of what Kelly Bryant did and put on film there to conservative play calling. But if Auburn runs the same formula out there with the season of experience, you know, it could be a, t- a long day for Alabama.
1: Right. I mean, Auburn's defense is tailor made just for that, like downhill punishing, you know, stopping the run. Their defensive ends are huge. They set the edge. Really. Yeah. Really a perfect matchup for them against a run heavy alabama team so and they get
3: them at home too i mean that's big to have georgia huge. and then
1: alabama at home that's going to be a raucous uh auburn crowd so um but then on the other side of the ball uh i'm going to see if they actually develop some kind of like intermediate like midfield passing game for for stidham um because there's linebackers to exploit there's what third third string second string linebackers
2: i mean let me ask take you advantage they, of georgia was at pretty much full health i mean i think they might have had some injuries that Not you know high profile, but George is at full health and Auburn exposed them in um, definitely with um in the running game, but also some intermediate passes. Alabama being being dinged up, maybe that that plays even more to Auburn's favor. Yeah, but you talk
3: about Alabama's second and third string linebackers,
2: they're probably still five stars.
3: And the thing about George and the difference between them and Alabama is. That was Georgia's time in, like, the spotlight for the first time, right? They're coming back on the big stage, national stage. They're number one. They go into a hostile environment. They get beat. Alabama's a a seasoned team. They may not all be veterans, but those guys, you know, several of these guys have played national championship games, they know what they're doing. They're not going to be intimidated by an environment at Auburn maybe the same way that a Georgia team would. Was.
1: I Agreed. Sometimes it, it is that, but sometimes it's just you know you call rock when when the other the other guy calls scissors, and I think that's what they were able to do against uh, what they were able to do. Auburn was able to do against Georgia and making them one dimensional, making the freshmen beat them. You can potentially do that against Jalen Hurts. You saw it, what we did in the national championship right. game. So um, his skill set is still to me it's limited uh, in, in terms of passing. So it'll it'll be interesting. That's going to be a heck of a game. What time's that game? Do they have the 8
2: o'clock time slot? Or are we 30 minutes before them? Good question. We can look that up. It um, looks like of Fitzpatrick is going to be able to go for Alabama. Um, got an extra week of rest in their game against Mercer, which is an absolute bludgeoning. Um, so, yeah, I, again, I think um, maybe we will see intermediate passing game come into play. But, Cody, I actually feel like that that linebacker softness, and yes, they're coming in with you know a talented – um, set of backups here, but I actually think in the running game for Auburn's offense, that's going to hurt Alabama that much more.
1: They were able to do it, Mississippi State with uh, I forget the name of their their quarterback, very much a dual threat uh, quarterback. They or he he had a lot of Nick success. Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. They had success, and I don't they don't usually use um, Situm like that, but they do have two very good running backs. Carryon Johnson is a legitimate Heisman contender. So I've heard this is the one Alabama defense that's uh, you can actually run on the first one and. Maybe a decade. And I mean, that's, there's some truth to that. So, and that's a lot, a lot in part because of the linebacker injuries, but also there's not quite that like two headed monster there at defensive tackle. Uh, not to mention um, his name is Blinken, uh, defensive end. Jonathan Allen, who is just a God, incredible defensive end. Plays for the Browns now, right, Tully? Uh, does, does you haven't watched the Browns? Game does all anybody here?
3: play for the Browns? They don't.
1: Yeah, they don't. Play, I guess.
3: Um, so anyways, they got the 3.30 time slot So they do have the time slot before us That sets up for a pretty nice day of football for
2: us Yeah, it's going to be good Well, we put a long tail on that kite But suffice to say, probably a more action-packed Saturday Than this past weekend A lot will be settled I, you know, The full playoff picture will not come into view after this week We'll still have championship Saturday the next weekend But um, I think some pieces may resolve themselves Particularly in the um, SEC there So tomorrow evening will be yet another week of college football playoff committee rankings. Like we said, I don't think we really expect too much to change there, but time will tell. But let me ask you guys, a lot has been made a little bit of, you know, is there bias going toward Alabama-Clemson based on track record uh, and not really being fairly evaluated for this season's efforts? And I want to ask you, like, do you feel any, any particular programs or conferences are being disrespected? Or is this... Are they getting it right? Well, I think I think I'll start
3: with the Alabama argument, and you'll hear a lot of people say, and this kind of goes year in and year out, where Alabama gets put in there at the number one slot just because they're Alabama. Um, well, that may be true sometimes. I don't think it's that way this year. Uh, they are an undefeated football team. Granted, uh, their schedule has not been. That great, but they have a 29-point of margin of victory um, in the games they've played against Power Five schools, and that says a lot. And they're undefeated. No other undefeated team is looks as good or is doing uh, as much against their opponents as Alabama is. So I really don't have a lot of argument with Alabama. I think what you start to hear a lot about the argument against Clemson is now that Clemson's been to the College Football Playoff two years in a row, we've won a national championship. Um, we now have one loss, and yet we're ranked at number two. You're having a lot of people scratch their heads and asking, well, Oklahoma's loss is to an Iowa State team who is decent and ranked. Miami has no losses. Wisconsin has no losses. How in the heck is Clemson at number two? Why are we just brushing aside the fact that they lost to a really bad Syracuse team? Syracuse is 4-11. and um, And why is Clemson getting a pass for Kelly bryant uh or sorry, four and seven. Why is Kelly Bryant and Clemson getting a pass for Kelly Bryant being injured? And the more I think of about it, I can see a little bit of that argument because even at it, even without Kelly Bryant, Syracuse is not a good football team. They are four and seven, and if you look at the games they've played um, since Clemson, I think they they may have lost every single one since then, and they're pretty big blowouts. So I I think when you start to look at that, you know, kind of in my head, being a Clemson fan, I was thinking, yeah, well, he was hurt, blah, 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 and nobody else is really that great. But I can see a bit of that argument, and maybe more so for Oklahoma than anybody else, where, as in years past, I would say Oklahoma's overrated. Um, they, 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 They don't play defense. But I think this is a little bit different Oklahoma team. Granted, they still don't really play defense, but I think they deserve more credit right now than they're getting.
1: Oklahoma to me is the most interesting, maybe the most interesting team since the playoff committee was has been introduced because they are such a Jekyll and Hyde or whatever you want to call them on, from offense to defense. They have a elite, elite offense, and I think that that, that they they took it into Columbus and they blew them out. It's a, it's not just a Big Twelve thing. Um, on defense, they're really bad. It looks, looks like they've gotten even worse as the years gone along. The committee has no idea how to calibrate or how to. How to evaluate them? We'll say, um, and I, for me, I think they're they're a little bit under, undervalued. I think you have to go with their and win against funny, Ohio it's State. It's funny
3: we say that undervalued because they're still sitting there at number three. Yeah,
1: and North, when you look at the other number teams, number four in the
2: in the CFPs. Yeah, no, I, I true. think
1: potentially they should be ahead of Miami, potentially ahead of Clemson, yeah. and maybe maybe ahead of Alabama. Nah. There's a there's an argument. I mean, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Ohio State all mean you know, all wins, top fifteen teams. Uh, Double-digit wins, two on the road. They have a good resume. Um, and I guess there's no elite defense in college football this year. Clemson still has that upside, I think, and Alabama may as well. But there's no elite defense. But Syracuse put up points on us. And there's State put much up points better on us.
3: defenses than Oklahoma's playing in the Big 12. And you'd have to argue that Oklahoma has not run into a really good defense yet. So that
2: remains Ohio a, State's
1: a really good defense.
3: Yeah,
2: TCU's at above average. And Ohio State's really good. I think Ohio State's a top five defense by the metrics.
1: Um, and, and that win was um, at Ohio State. So, yeah,
3: yeah I mean, that's, that's a really good win. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but... Again, looking on the opposite side, you know, you make the argument against Clemson, if you look at the top five teams, we're talking Alabama through Wisconsin, and you look at their the their opponents' records for power five teams that they've beaten, Clemson is sitting, those teams that Clemson's beaten is sitting at a six, 16 winning percentage. The next closest one is 5'11". Clemson is 100, more than 100 points better in that metric. So... Where I understand the argument about that Clemson lost to Syracuse, when you look at the teams that they've actually beaten, far better resume than any other team, any other of these
1: top five teams. I, I think what's hurting Clemson a little bit, too, is that the wins have lost their shine. All, and for whatever reason, they're not getting as much it's true, but credit that, for the Auburn win at this point in the season. Um, but, I mean, they, they do get credit for it. But Louisville, Virginia Tech has, has really lost think. I, I think Virginia C- Tech. State.
3: I think Virginia yeah. Tech's still a good-looking win. Uh, Florida state is one that we thought going into the season was going to be one, uh, was going to be a jewel, but obviously when we got to that game, we knew it wasn't going to mean much other than
2: the fact that we lost, we shouldn't have lost. So maybe Oklahoma, a little underrated, not sure, you know, any given Saturday they could run up some numbers and really, yeah, they don't play very good defenses, but can teams can hang with them on offense and outscore them? Iowa state did. Um,
3: Iowa State this year, they've got seven wins, but they've had a revolving door at quarterback. In that game, they were playing a third-string linebacker at quarterback. They're up to their fourth-string guy now, so I don't know if that was a case of Oklahoma losing focus, or you, you have these hiccups. I mean, the same way Clemson lost to Syracuse, and losing to Iowa State is not nearly as bad as losing to Syracuse. Again, in, it, generally, I would say Oklahoma is is overranked. I don't think so this year, Cody. I think you're right. I think they are undervalued at this point. And they have an argument to be as high as number two. Do they have an argument to be ranked higher than Alabama?
1: I don't think so. The other part with Oklahoma in, in, the, in the committees, they, they just don't know. And I, I guess the thing about Joel Klatt and the other all the Fox guys, FS1 guys, are, are – outraged by Oklahoma's uh, number four ranking, and they saying they should be one or two. Part of that is just, I mean, it's really, I, 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 you can look back to all the champions I can think of in the last decade. There's never been a defense anywhere close to as bad as their defense is. So the com- committee, and you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Tully, the committee does not want to get a, a semifinal where there's a blowout, where there's a team that can get embarrassed, and, and Oklahoma has a has a pedigree that looks like they could potentially win a championship. They also like they could get embarrassed by a Clemson, or uh, Alabama, Any Georgia, team that can actually play uh, defense. Uh, yeah, essentially.
2: We don't know if that really is the motivation behind the committee. Kirby Hokut has not said that. Jeff Long never said that. I have to believe they're thinking it. If you look back at the last two years, even the last three years, the history of this playoff, you had a blowout with going back to really Ohio State blew out Alabama, if you remember that. But True. Florida State got blown out by Oregon. The the semifinals have been boring-ass bowl games. Well, and, and but particularly looking at the last two years, part of that is just because Clemson
3: and Alabama were by far superior teams than anybody else in college football and that was clear.
2: This year no one team looks that way. It's fair and it's not like they're going to be choosing from a stable of six capable teams that all have the same resume and they got to pick four. I think at that point they might be deciding who's who's most likely to shit the bed and let's leave them out. But I think that might be part of the reason why Oklahoma is not necessarily getting that that number one type of respect. In addition to Alabama is still being undefeated.
3: Well, and again, these things are going to play out, I and mean, part of it is you have to assume that uh, Wisconsin losing, Oklahoma losing, uh, maybe both of those things, and then Alabama losing to Auburn, that all those things are not going to happen. So part of it is is that maybe one of these teams lose and it becomes clear, but um, yeah, the, the it times- could be that it's not that hard for them. It could be that if a lot of this chaos does happen in the two remaining uh, weeks of the season, that
2: it could be really hard for them. Yeah, I think the top seven right now control their own destiny. Um, I don't know that any. I per, my answer is no. Nobody's really getting disrespected. Um, Win your have schedule, they your schedule. chance. And to, yeah, yeah. The, the entire book of the season has not been written yet. So and if you're these okay. guys, these guys, gotta sell clicks, and they're trying to sell ads. People keep, keep cutting the cord. Um, I think there's genuine is,
1: outrage, but yeah, they are they are doing their best to sell clicks and ads.
3: Well, and We're you're, talking
2: about it on a podcast and now. And if you're, so, if you're Oklahoma and you need some
3: motivation to go out there on the field and and kill a team like Kansas or pull out your best Michael Jackson move, there you go. Use that. You're still number four. You're still in there.
1: I will say, I, I don't think they're yeah. – I think we all agree There's there's got to be a little bit of bias of what have you done, not this year, but the last two, three years, Clemson's getting a lot of benefit of the
2: doubt that we're not used to getting, but I, I think we're getting it. I will admit that we are. I think we – I'm not saying we should be, but I'm, I'm saying if you think about um, this, this will come down to it if we are right there with another team trying to get in. I think that would be something that might put Again, you under the top. Our opponents, our Power Five opponents, winning percentage
3: in games we've won six sixteen with a sixteen point margin of victory. That speaks I, for itself. Other teams aren't even close. I'm
1: just saying, if this is 2015 Clemson, that that new money look that we had, then I think we're not number two. That's True. all I'm saying. Especially and, with the Syracuse loss, right? Right, and, and just once, I would like for a, a Fox guy or whoever that's outraged by our ranking just to come forward and and just give us give us a football reason, not talk about the Syracuse loss or Brian's health or the, our margin of victory things like that I wish they would just say they're not sold on our, uh, our on our quarterback's ability to consistently sustain drives well, that's all Clatt that's, was I would like, respect the hell out of that wasn't Clad a, a Colorado quarterback back when they was, were in the Big, the Big 12, 12 yeah. so he's a Big 12 homer yeah right and it, if you're gonna say by, by the logic of a SEC bias, the SEC in bed with ESPN, well, aren't you? You know, aren't you kind of and the doesn't, same thing?
3: doesn't Fox have contract with Big Twelve for their football games? They do, and, and the Big Big Ten and Pac Pac Twelve, Pac Twelve. Yeah, so well, who cares about the Pac? Speaking of the Pac Twelve, uh, they're the conference that we've all known for a while now and pretty much accepted that they're going to be left out of this thing. Though interesting, you know, we, we got to talking about this conversation about comparing conferences. It's interesting to note that um, when you look about. Uh, out of conference, uh, uh, one loss totals for each conference this year. The Pac-12 is actually six and two versus all other conferences. Um, the SEC, the Big Twelve, and the ACC all have losing records. Big 10's at seven and five. It's kind of interesting to see, right? Pac-12 at six and two there. But what does
1: that mean? Like when you look deeper, when you take those numbers. What does that Cal mean? Cal beat North Carolina.
2: Exactly. That's what that means.
1: So, uh, Notre Dame, which while well, not in the ACC, Notre Dame destroyed USC, one of the best. So, again, teams in going action. back to,
3: and you can look at those numbers,
1: but if you take
3: the two best out of conference wins for each conference, I've got the, uh, the ACC as having the best, two best wins with Clemson over Auburn and Virginia Tech over West Virginia. The Big 12 maybe next, Oklahoma over Ohio State, that's a really good win, but their next best one is Texas Tech over Arizona State, that's not that good. So you can talk about regional bias, but I think when you look deeper into just uh, just the numbers and you start to make more of them and actually understand what's making those up, that I still think there's a good argument why regionally the South is still getting the benefit of the doubt and not to mention, what have you done for me lately? The Big Ten and the Big 12 have been getting blown out or left out of the college football playoffs. The Pac-12 – when they are relevant and have relevant teams, they get blown out in the college football playoffs. I mean, right now the sec and the ACC has been the staying power in college football for quite some
2: time. I mean, Oregon went to the title game. They, they did a decent job, but uh, yeah, Ohio state won a few years ago. Yeah. They beat Oregon. Um, I I don't really know what the argument is. I mean, yeah. Top, top teams were, were Alabama and Clemson the last two years. Um, I just tied a boat on the argument. I'm telling you that
3: <laughs> the, the Southern Joe Klatt is an idiot, and he can say all he wants, but right now I think the proof is in the pudding if you really dig deeper into the numbers that uh, the top – now, whereas the SEC is not as strong as they used to be from top to bottom, they are very top-heavy and have very elite programs, uh, and the ACC have Clemson, n- most years Florida State, um, not seeing anybody else in that conference right now, but the elite teams are still there. And I'm not seeing – the Big 12 has not shown me an elite team in quite some time. The Big 10 has in Ohio State, but who else? Nobody. And have I seen a really, really elite team who's won a national championship in the Pac-12 in quite some time? Nope.
1: And I think with – what you're saying is there's more or less parity. It's not like the SEC who would go into bowl season years back and just beat every opponent – there's a little bit of parody. I think you know if you just watch football, you know who each team is. That's why I say Oklahoma is the only one that just is an enigma because you don't know what they are because of their offense and and their defense. And it's it's unlike it's an outlier of sorts. We haven't seen it in the playoff era. Um, but Clemson is what they are. I think we we get a pretty good sense for Alabama and Georgia. I think what you line.
3: see in these teams that are winning national championships is that. In recent memory, they're more well-rounded on both sides of the ball. Oklahoma doesn't have that. They don't have right. A good right, defense. that's what I was saying. Yeah, right. that's why I
1: think the committees feels like we don't know how good they are because they, right. and they look at metrics. And if you do look at their defensive metrics, they're not very good. And if they win out, they're going to get into the playoff, and we're, they're going to get to prove it. So not, they,
3: they shouldn't. They don't have much to complain about, right? Just do your job, handle your business, and you'll be fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we got to move on, but uh, I think we're in. A small sample size world right now we are in a two three year microcosm of the world of college football you've got a lot of programs who in the last year two years and this year a lot of blue blood programs are turning over coaching regimes I think you it's tough to say the Pac-12 is like permanently inferior USC is in the second full year of Clay Hilton Washington is in a rebuilding project Oregon's hired a new coach Um, Florida they're turning over um, Texas just had Tom Herman. There's a lot of blue blood teams and schools that are kind of rebuilding. And do I think the championship game the next five seasons is going to be ACC, SEC, maybe a double SEC whammy, etc. I don't. I think you you are going to start to get um, representatives from other conferences in, and who knows, Oklahoma they can definitely win the championship. I mean, they can outscore all these teams. Clemson has had a couple games, NC State, and Pittsburgh or not Pittsburgh, Syracuse, the pit of this year, where we let him into the upper 20s on the scoreboard. What could Oklahoma do to us if we put up a showing like that? So um, I don't know. I think it's I, – I prescribe way less to conference this, conference that, than I do specific individual programs. And that's That's it. Fair enough. I mean,
3: I'll make one correlation. I think since the turn of the century – Um, This has become a tech-focused culture, social media-focused culture, and what you've seen in those times is that a lot of the value um, and talent and success in a lot of the northern programs has shifted down south. Even with teams like BC, Virginia Tech, you've seen that happening. Um, And you can – You can look at teams like Nebraska. Does Nebraska have an opportunity to come back and be who they used to be? Michigan has not been good in quite some time. Uh, Wisconsin's a solid football team, but they're not a great football team and haven't been a great football team. I think it's a very interesting, interesting thing to study. Um, especially with the emergence of some of these ACC schools in addition to SEC schools. That being said, still top-heavy in these conferences. I think that's the more interesting part.
1: Yeah, there's just a, a scarcity of resources, and those resources are college right. football players in high school.
3: And and when you grow up in Nebraska, do you want to stay in Nebraska for college or do you want to move down south where the weather's better?
1: Yeah, and, and well, in, in most cases, you just don't see as many guys being developed at the high school level as well, so that's another part. So, yeah, it's uh, – it, well, yeah, I I totally totally agree about conference. One conference doesn't have staying power more, so much more than another right now. If I'm gonna bet on one thing, it's gonna be the SEC or Southern schools altogether, including Clemson and Florida State. That's all I got. Should we
2: talk about the Citadel? Let's do it. Another Southern school. Um, maybe they're I don't know where they are in the spectrum of uh, of rising to prominence. But uh, before we move on to the Citadel. Why don't we shout out some of our listeners. Ben, who you got for us today? Well, as you guys know, we've
3: invited our good friend Sam uh, to become a member of the podcast. He's focusing primarily on basketball. Um, Sam's debut was last week, um, and he's also got a little part here at the end of the show with Cody. Sam's mom, Sandy, real proud mother right now. Gave us a like on Facebook. That's the first time we've seen that. You know, Sandy, real proud of her son making his uh, his media debut. Sam, proud
1: of you. Your mom's proud of you. Probably hitting the fast forward button right now. Oh, I'm sure.
3: Like, and I said this to Sam after we posted the episode. I'm like, Sam, I know you fast forwarded right to your segment. You didn't listen to the rest of it. You know, like, I'm sure. I'm sure Sandy did the same thing. But uh, Sandy, you should be proud of your son. Thanks for uh, thanks for the love on uh, Facebook there.
2: And we we definitely th- thank and appreciate all of our listeners. Um, you guys have done a great job spreading the word. Um, so continue to please engage with us and and keep it keep it going. Um, also, want to encourage you to, to subscribe to the podcast. Whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, we, we still have a lot of people streaming. Totally good if you want to visit your favorite site um, and stream our show. But if you prefer an app experience, we are available on just about every app platform that's out there. So search for the podcast and subscribe to the show with that let's move on to the citadel okay guys clemson wiped the floor with the citadel um military appreciation we appreciated the citadel coming in and so we can get this big victory um 58 point win that felt pretty good got a lot of guys some action in this game um you know it was really nice i think to see some of the true freshmen start to establish themselves um, see our backup quarterbacks get in, get three quarterbacks serve for 100 yards, um, pretty in- incredible. But that being said, FCS opponent, um, not really sure uh, what any of us expected. I think we all expected that type of performance. Um,
3: yeah, and they're not. I mean, South Carolina played an FCS opponent, but they're a nine-win school. Uh, Clemson, you're right. The Citadel's not a great FCS team. Not a lot to take from this game, even with Lawrence, Hyatt, Joseph, and Trey Lamar not playing. Like, you still expected a beatdown, and I think you're right. I think more than the starters, it's the young guys is the, the biggest takeaway from this game and how they looked.
1: Yeah, and it was hard to evaluate them, especially the defensive, defensive guys. I want to watch Justin Foster, uh, Xavier Kelly, uh, Shaq Smith. He got an interception. He did, um, but it was really tough. Not only are the, is this, were the Citadel kind of poor uh, in terms of the, the offensive line just wasn't going to hold up, but also it's a triple option, so you're not really looking at anything that's, I don't know. They were kind of out of out of place at times. They both, in terms of Foster and Kelly, looked pretty athletic. I was I was a little bit impressed by Kelly's a little bit more assertive in this game. Yeah, I agree. But again, it's hard, tough to tell. Skalski, I will say, Jamie Skalski filling in an outside linebacker for Kendall Joseph. He looks good. He he seems to have good instincts. Knows where the ball is. Good in pursuit. That, those sorts of things matter. Um, it, not quite where Ben Bolwer is, but I think he's already a little bit more athletic. So
3: Can we talk about one play that was great no matter who you're playing? That Trayvon Mullen interception was incredible.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Just jumped the route? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, a, lot of, a lot of young guys came through. It was, it was great to get the rest. I will say I think we have the best third-string quarterback in the nation. I think that's without dispute at that's this point, That's clear. Right?
3: Yeah, I think even even with the young guys, more so on the defensive side of the ball, even on the defensive side of the ball, you really can tell, like you mentioned, because of the, them playing the triple option and just being a vastly inferior uh, team. On the offensive side of the ball, a lot of great things to see out of Hunter Johnson. I know that's going to be the talk from everybody. I mean, Grant, he's still not playing against great competition and having T. Higgins out there. Um, at wide receiver I mean you just throw it up to him and he's going to catch him he made a couple incredible uh, catches but good to see Hunter Johnson I mean he's he's shown us this a few times those flashes he was seven and eight very accurate throws the ball well futures bright at that quarterback position for Clemson and that's not to overshadow what Zarek Cooper did he was solid had 105 yards passing but the more and more I see it and think about it you know Hunter Johnson came out Uh, in an interview saying that he doesn't expect any of these Clemson quarterbacks to go anywhere. They're all competitors. That's why they're here. I got to think Zarek Cooper transfers.
1: Yeah, regard that aside, um, we can talk about that during the offseason, but I have to think that there's got to be a leapfrog on the quarterback depth chart. It already
3: happened. Uh, The depth chart for the South Carolina game had, usually it's Cooper or Hunter Johnson. This week it's Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper. So it's okay. not a flat-out
1: 2-3, but a, there
3: was a shuffling there. Hmm,
1: interesting. Well, I, I think it's safe to say, and I, you know, I don't I trust the coaches in terms of Hunter Johnson's development, but the sample's large enough at this point where we can say Hunter Johnson. You can say all you want about the Citadel and there being un, being undermanned, but there's certain things that a quarterback does in terms of his mechanics. Ball placement. Um, his release, yeah, placement, things that are more, like, timing-oriented that that will translate against other teams. It's not just the Citadel. It's not Citadel-specific. He's shown me enough. And, and not, not to take anything away from Cooper because he looked okay, too, but there's clearly a, a
2: better quarterback in the fold, I think, in Hunter Johnson. But, Cody, we don't want to scare off Trevor Lawrence by playing Hunter Johnson too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. There's uh, there's guys on STS, and I'm so sure Tiger Net as well. Hypothetical. That, um, yeah. Kelly Bryant, unfortunately, suffers an ankle injury in the first quarter against Miami. Who's Dabo realistically bringing in? Miami, it's got to be Hunter Johnson, but
1: I, and I, I really think that when it was Syracuse, it could have been just as well. With Miami, I think just at that point in the season, they didn't think Hunter Johnson could process enough, and that he would react. So has he got a little more volatility in how he react to certain things? I
2: still wouldn't be surprised to see Zarek Cooper coming off the bench. But do you, I want to ask Cody Hunter Johnson in the what five weeks since that Syracuse game, five six games. Is it that he's shown he can process more, handle more in practice? Is it enough of the garbage time in games he's gotten in? What's right, changed. It's it's pra- It's got to be practice. And I hate that they put so much
1: weight on practice, but I mean that's all they can draw off of. I think at some point though they had to say when we go into garbage time we got to put Hunter Johnson in over Zarek Cooper.
2: So Ben, you're you're leaning on the ZC camp, just
1: knowing
2: Dab loyalty
3: loyalties to, to mm-hmm. senior seniority, and and Zarek Cooper hasn't done anything. He's a redshirt freshman, yeah. Yeah, hasn't done anything to to not state his case, right? I mean, bottom line is, this Clemson team next year could probably start a different quarterback each quarter and be a really good football team. That's how talent-wrenched this team is right now. And the fact that we're trying to nitpick between the the Hunter Johnson and Zarek Cooper, that's a really good problem to have.
1: You know, I don't even think it's nitpicking. I I think it's a legitimate argument because there is a chance with Kelly Bryant being a run-heavy uh, quarterback playing teams like potentially Miami and then a, a quarterfinal. final Johnson fits the scheme more because he has be more ability injury. with his legs. I think, I just think he's more fluid in passing. He does have more And it's interesting that they don't run the passing plays. Maybe it's just, you know, self-preservation or whatever, but I think, yeah, he does have more with his legs and just, he looks really good, a lot better than we'll say Kelly Bryant in terms of some of those, like the deep ball, um, Mechanics, those slant routes, the t- again the timing routes. Those things are repeatable. You can take those into against Miami, and it will translate.
2: Cody, let me ask you, and this is kind of my final my final thought on Citadel. Happy to have you guys continue to comment. If you you guys watch much more of the game than I did, um, did anyone show you enough in this game to warrant snaps versus Miami or a potential playoff opponent? T Higgins looked really good.
3: Deion Kane actually caught the ball.
2: I was happy with that. So Dion's the starter. I'm talking about <laughs> who's shown you enough to warrant snaps that really was getting their, their I, I, crack I think at the field. T. Higgins gets
3: you more, but I don't think you could pull anything from any of the other players on the f- field given the quality of the opponent.
1: There's one guy. There's another five-star freshman on the other side of the ball that I think it, it was funny. I'm talking about A.J. T- AJ Terrell. Uh, Terrell. Yeah. When he's on the field, he's kind of the like T. Higgins on on the defensive side of the ball. He looks like a, a man among boys, or and when he was in with the grouping that he was in late in the game, he he just he's incredible in terms of uh, fast, his length, and he's physical. He's he's still small, but he really packs a punch with his hits. Again, I he don't, gets plenty of playing time though. But exactly. I would go with T. Higgins as my primary guy. I, as well. Exactly.
3: I I don't think this Citadel game is going to do anything for anybody to get significantly. Uh, a more amount of snaps uh, within a two-week span. I think the biggest jump you're going to see is in bowl practice. You might see some other
1: guys emerge out of that. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't necessarily prove anything or earn plan time, but I'm just saying we got, a, we got a good one, a potential All-American as early as oh, next year, I think. that's <laughs> clear. That's
3: clear. Uh, my last takeaway from the game is I was really happy to see that the refs did not throw flags on a couple of those salutes on Military Appreciation Day like they did to Dwayne Allen so, several years ago.
1: It's a little not, surprise. Those, you can you can slit a throat uh, yeah. motion, you can't do that. I mean, that no, makes sense. Just, you can't know. do that. Grab your balls. You <laughs> Can't do that as well. You <laughs> didn't get a flag um, for that.
2: The the play-by-play guy it wasn't was, in in during a game, though.
1: Was it not? was on the sideline. That still counts. He he's getting suspended, so justice is served. He's not starting. Uh, you know, the same school of Joe Mixon. So, anyhow, let's talk about South
2: Carolina. <laughs> We can do um, good, good win against the Citadel. Let's shift over to our other in-state opponent on, on the season, the Gamecocks. They come in boasting an eight and three record. Um, South Carolina, very young team still, um, especially on offense. They're leading um, passer, running back, wide receiver are all sophomores um, coming in on the year. Um, but you could say, you know, I don't think any of us would have expected South Carolina coming into this game with an eight, three mark playing for their ninth win of the year. Um, I think this is just the 13th time in school history they've posted an eight-win season, uh, which is a pretty pathetic mark. But um, I, we can go a number of directions here, guys. I do want to touch on are they truly in an upswing? What's kind of the state of their program? Obviously want to talk a little bit about their season so far and get into this matchup. Um, but I do want to talk about their record really quickly. They, um, A lot of us remember that first game of the year against NC State. Um, really, this 8-3 mark, I think, is a little bit of fool's gold. A little bit of, um, you know, it's misleading. Uh, Their second-order wins, which really looks at, um, if you played all the games over again, and kind of the, the expectancy of any given play to go a certain way, um, look at the number of yards gained, look at a lot of other factors, South Carolina really should ha- should be a 6-5 coming into this game. And for the most part, should probably be a 6-6 six six team after we beat them. Um, the, ga- the two games that they stole completely, North Carolina State, they had a 21% win expectancy. Um, most games, when you win, you have a 100 point, 100% win expectancy. Um, Vanderbilt, they, they snuck that one out too, 43% win expectancy. Um, so, this is a team you can talk a little bit about what factors led to both of those wins. Um, you can joke around is this a coaching thing? You know, are they just that good in tight games? well-coached, disciplined team. I don't necessarily personally think that's that's the case, but um, these are just some of my initial thoughts. Listen, they're second in the
3: SEC East, which is a joke, and that's part of the reason why they have such a good record is because the SEC East is such a terrible football division, and it has been for quite some time now. This is, I mean, Tennessee, what a garbage heap. Same thing at Florida, both getting rid of their coaches. Why these schools can't, Why these schools can't find success again, I don't know, because both of them have far better history um, and much more prestige than the University of South Carolina. But all that plays into South Carolina being able to hang around and be able to look like a decent football team. But I think you're totally right, Tully. I mean, that first game against NC State, that loss was on NC State. Plain and simple. They weren't even close in yardage. Um, It was just about... took some special teams plays. Special teams and turnovers. That's all it was. So, listen, it's not going to take much to put a, up, you know, get a pretty good win against the South Carolina team, protect the ball and play sound on offense and defense, and we should handle them no problem.
1: It is fair to say that this is – and definitely will be a closer game than last year and one that we could lose. I don't think it's it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, I think the spread opened at like 16, moved down to – it's actually about like 14 or 13 at this point. Um, being on the road, uh, the the crowd – I think the crowd will actually believe that. This this will be a game going in, and they're gonna be electric. Late night game, seven thirty Eastern well, they, time.
3: They, they always believe it's a game going in, and it's a rivalry game. That that generally is the case. I don't think they had quite as much belief last year. But well, when it's in their place. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. That's, and I beg to point. differ.
3: I think they did think that last year. Um, there was an article from Saturday Down South uh, who made some bold predictions about the game last year. Uh, five of them. One he thought it would be closer than expected. Uh, two that they keep watching uh, around 200 yards passing. Uh, one that Bentley shine. One that Samuel Hurst would actually get TD catches and then Goldman be held under 60 yards. None of those things happen. So there was some belief. And when South Carolina fans read this stuff, they actually believe. This year, they do have a better chance. They're significantly better on the defensive line, but elsewhere, they're not so much. They lost their only playmaker in Debo Samuel. Otherwise, on offense, they're going to be very one-dimensional, and this to
2: defense should dominate them. I mean... I kind of wrote down notes for this what do they do best what do they suck at and what what will we exploit matching up head to head they are really good at preventing big plays on defense and we've talked about it in terms of clemson this is not actually a hallmark of this offense with explosive plays so i think what you're going to see i mean that doesn't mean etn or feaster um or ray ray mcleod can't bust one i mean those those plays are just very they're prone to variance but by and large, they do not get beat by the big play at South Carolina. And so that's going to be the
3: interesting thing to see is whether or not uh, they played kind of soft just to keep things in front of them and make us actually put together drives to move down the field, or if they they try to make us beat them in the vertical passing game, which we haven't been great at this year. The Citadel doesn't really count um, by pressing us uh, up near the line and, and making Kelly Bryant beat them with his arm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and how they approach uh, the game on the defensive side of the ball. I think they have more options on defense than they do on offense. Um, if you shut down their running game, they go nowhere.
1: They're stymied. Yeah, good assignment football, as they say. I think that's what they'll do. I think they'll pack uh, pack the box. They haven't been great at stopping the run, but that's that is going to be their strength with their linebackers. And uh, I think Javon Kinlaw, who I think defensive tackle who I think was a Clemson on Clemson's radar at one point in the recruiting process. Anyhow, I, I think that's their only hope. Uh, make us one-dimensional. Try to stop our run. I, I still think we'll have some success, to be honest, um, especially with Etienne playing like he's playing. But ultimately, they're going to try to make that Brian beat us with his arm, beat them with his arm, and see what happens Well, one for some turnovers. One hopefully. area
3: they have been successful at this year is they are plus nine in the turnover battle. So again... Uh, that's when you're going to see inferior teams play better teams closer is when there are turnovers involved. Same thing. That's what happened in the NC State game. Clemson has not been a turnover machine this year. They've they've managed pretty well. You can talk all you want about Kelly Bryant and some of his inaccurate throwing, sailing the balls, or just not being able to connect on the deep balls. He hasn't given the ball away, Um, and that's been a positive and a big change since last year. And the running backs, for the most part, have kept the ball off the ground.
2: Yeah, I think on on defense, what I would look to to be their strengths. Um, this actually surprised me. They are um, they have a really good. I was going to ask you guys the question, like, do you think there are any guys on either side of the ball that could play for Clemson? Sky Moore. Um, I said that last year about him, but, but he was obviously hurt
3: and out for the year. But that's who I would go with. I think that's a clear he could start
2: at linebacker for Clemson right now. I don't know if this guy would necessarily start for Clemson, but they're, they have a weak side defensive end. DJ Wanham, he's a sophomore out of Stone Mountain, Georgia. He leads their team six sacks, 13 tackles for loss, and 11 run stuffs. Um, pretty solid stats for a guy that I didn't know about. Ooh, ooh. I bet their field goal kicker could start for Clemson.
1: Yeah, I mean, could I be think bad. between him and Kinlaw, I would definitely be guys in our two deep rotation, but I mean, that's our defensive. Line is which Zach is, Bailey a left guard or left tackle? Uh, I think he's a guard. I think he starts ahead of Hearn. Uh, I think he gets a right guard starting spot. He, he's really good and was on our
2: recruiting radar as well. So it's you know, that was actually a big pull for them, yeah. I mean, I, for sure. I, I think so. That that I bring that up to discuss the talent gap in this game. Um, but you guys talked about some of the intangibles in this game, you know, sight, time, um, and just they can game plan coming from a position of inferior talent around trying to disrupt what our offense is trying to get going. Um, let's talk about South Carolina's defense. They come in ranked 29th in the country at rushing defense, 63rd in the country at pass. I think they will try to as much as possible stuff the run. Um, we, we all know where Clemson's strong suits lie. I don't know if we're going to, if they'll necessarily be successful though. Um, they're, uh, Biggest weakness on defense is actually in what's called um, power success rate. So that means third and short, fourth and short, allowing first downs. They have like the number 120th defense, something like that. So if we can get it close, if we can show success on first, second down and get it short, um, we are most likely to be going to be successful in continuing long drives. And the key to that is Clemson being in third and
3: manageable uh, down a distance. Um, Again, can't take anything from the Citadel game, but avoid uh, plays on first down where we're not gaining any yardage or we're getting negative yardage, whether it be through a sack, uh, tackle for loss, or penalties. Get positive yardage on first down, then you're going to be able to move the chains. You set yourself up for easier third down conversions, fourth down conversions, because, again, with Kelly Bryant not connecting on the deep ball, those third and eights are harder than they were last year with Sean Watson at the helm.
1: You And you mentioned power running Tully, And I, I really, I'm, I'm trying to think through my head through their schedule of any uh, like uh, dual-threat quarterbacks similar to Kelly Bryant. And granted, there's not a whole lot in, in college game of college football. But th- there's really no one on their schedule like that. I think of Georgia as having a great ground-and-pound attack, but it's not one that's uh, predicated on a, on a lot of they zone play, reads and misdirection type stuff. Did they play Mond from Texas A&M? I forget if he was starting in that game. Uh, that's a good one. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the Georgia box score right now. Georgia did have some success running against them, which every they didn't have success against everyone, but um, that's a good one. that's one we can look at as well.
2: Yeah, and again, you know, Mon, Kelly Bryant, they're not necessarily going to be running power. I mean, that's that's for the most part going to be the run the tailback um, exclusively. So, um, anyway, yeah, I think they're they're maybe best suited to try to control Um, in the run game, what Clemson does, but I think we will get ours when it comes to that. They did play Mond. He had 95 yards rushing against him. Wow. And uh, 242 total for Georgia. So that's quite a number. It's a team you can run on, um, particularly from the quarterback position. So uh, things don't get much better for them in the passing game um, either. They're 63rd in the country, as I said. Um, And while they do have a a good turnover margin, I don't know necessarily they've got any ball-hawking guys. Um, Sky Moore actually... He, he has three picks on the year, 14 for his career. And then you mentioned last year as a junior, he missed some time with injuries. So he's a guy, like, let's not have Kelly Bryant trying to fit anything into tight spots um, in his his end of the field. But um, I think that, yeah, that's... If you want to have formula for for success or failure, really, for Clemson, um, it, it would be turning the ball over. Yeah,
3: I and mean, Kelly Bryant's been very good um, in those passes across the middle this year. I mean, he's actually been very crisp and had some very good throws. Um, I just I don't see South Carolina being able to move the ball on this on on our defense and I think you're either going to see a game where Clemson just kind of shuts down things and manages it realizing they're not going to be able to score Um, it, it could be one of those games where it's a little bit too close in the third quarter eventually pull away with like a 34 to 10 victory or something like that or if the team early is able to have success on early downs and not be you know too far behind the chains on third downs and gets up a big lead early puts together some good drives then you could see um Clemson start to pull away um the only way I see this being a loss or a one score game
2: is if Clemson uh loses a turnover battle and I still think then it might have to be by plus two I want to talk about their offense a little bit. I, I I can see a little bit of a game within the game here that if they are able to get some success, it could go even beyond a turnover turnover battle that could settle this. Um, Jake Bentley has started to scramble a good bit more, and if he can get things going with his legs, I mean, obviously we have all kinds of talent um, on the defense. Dorian O'Daniel I think would play a key role in trying to contain that. Um, but I want to talk to you guys. I mean, we still. Had the injury bug plaguing this defense, and yes, the citadel game you know, presumably an extra week of rest for a lot of these guys um, should help Clemson's defense recover a bit for this game. Um, but we're not, we don't know how healthy Kendall, Kendall Joseph is, or we, we've definitely got Marcus Edmond um, and Mark Fields coming back off of injuries. To what degree are those guys going to be able to give you 100 uh, percent? Where's Ryan Carter coming off his concussion? Um, I know he's been cleared for the most part, right? But um, it's it's something that, you know, the injury bug can still plague us. And they do have some weapons. I think that you mentioned uh, Debo Samuel is out for the year. Um, he sustained, what was it, an ACL earlier in the season? Pretty sure. Maybe it was a, I think it was an ACL. Um, but Ortrey Smith, you know, pretty talented guy. I think, were we recruiting him? Yeah, he was from Charleston. Yeah. Uh, Clemson Legacy. He's, he's not leading the team in catches. That actually goes to Brian Edwards. Um, also, a guy we are recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, these are not, this is not Deion Kane. This is not Ray Ray McLeod. This is not Hunter Renfro even necessarily. But um, if we're rusty, for injured, for slow, or banged up, this becomes a lot closer game.
3: I think we're just working on ifs, ands, and buts right now. I mean, I just. Bottom line is the talent gap is still very, very wide. I know it's a home night game for them, but there's no excuse for Clemson not winning this game by two scores or more.
1: Yeah, I generally think this team is is more. Or I'm sorry, it's less volatile than even like last year's team. And granted, our upside was a lot higher last year, but I just on a possession possession basis, and you know we have seen turnovers recently, but I just don't. I don't see that kind of game. I see us relying on the run, sticking to. A, a game plan where we don't have to worry about like passing downfield and, and creating turnovers and then just taking care of business on defense. I, it seems a lot like Virginia tech almost. I would actually say that they're the lesser of the two, but it's, it's similar to going into Blacksburg. It's a good comparison and just kind of taking care of business. And then once we, once we do go up,
2: who's kind of coasting from
3: there, whose entrance is more intimidating inner Sandman or 2001. Uh, Sandstorm uh, space, <laughs> space
2: odyssey.
1: Uh, or sandstorm. Um, what's more intimidating, a turkey or a chicken? It's a turkey, normally. Thanksgiving How about a, week a castrated though.
3: turkey. Is that, sure. what a, is that what a hokey technically is?
2: I'm pretty sure.
1: What a mascot. To a lot of pick. parallels there between that those matchups and those teams.
2: Um, well, we'll hope for similar well, results. And I think one thing's for sure: in during their "quote unquote" the streak. I think you got to chalk up at least one of those years to the role of coaching and that Steve Serraria played in game planning. I don't think the same can be said for Will Muschamp um, and Kurt Roper coming in. I think you definitely give the advantage to Clemson certainly um, with Brent Venables, but definitely across the board. So, um, you know, again, I, I don't foresee a Connor, Connor Shaw type of game out of Bentley. I don't foresee um just all, all the little little things that need to go right for them. I just don't think they're up to it. So we will obviously get our score predictions up at the end of the week. Uh, I think all of us are predicting a, a W here, The Clemson, Clemson's 11th win of the year. Uh, guys, maybe last question talking about the South Carolina game. What is one area you definitely want to see this team show and exert uh, going into the Miami matchup? Success
3: on the deep ball. Um, let's see it against a quality opponent in their house.
1: Indy, really, all downfield passing, including those intermediate routes. I just sure. want to see more accurate passing. No air mailing to Hunter Yeah, and Pro. Better mechanics. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call them a quality opponent.
0: <laughs>
1: quality opponent on the road, whatever you want to call me. Yeah, I, I just want you to see more sustained drives. And um, that sounds. I hate this. Sounds like a cliche but more discipline. Consistency, less, absolutely. Less penalties, like just that little execution. I don't
3: think it's cliche. I don't think that's too much to ask because it's something that's lacked on this offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, frankly, it lacked a little bit last year. And sure. it, it, we did tighten it up at the end. I, I I generally think that's something that you don't pick up late in the season. We were able to do that. So they talked about the, the Zoom focus they had last year. Uh, I think uh, Farrell said that when he came in last year. Or no, it was Trayvon Mullen, Zoom focus. Mm-hmm. I hope the players care as much as Residents of South Carolina care because
2: we, we definitely don't want to have a letdown game. Zoom focus sounds like a millennial tech term. It does. Uh, I want to see Christian Grooms kick two or three 40 yard field goals. Oh, yeah. He had a plus 30 yarder there. It was like 39. 38. Didn't he? Yep. Yeah, there we go. We need. Oh, boy. We're going to need plus 30 plus yard field goals later in the year, potentially against Miami. So let's get that going in this game. All right, well, that wraps up our South Carolina preview. We will be back after the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, after this rivalry game, to recap it, preview Miami. Uh, We will take a look at their game against Pitt on Friday night. Should be a great one. Um, For Clemson fans, hopefully nobody goes to a shopping mall at all on Friday. You gear up for that game. Um, But with that, we are going to transition over to basketball. We have Clemson correspondent Sam. He's not in the studio tonight, um, but he caught up earlier with Cody. Um, talk hoops Cody, give us a
3: little
1: intro Yeah, we just talked about the Charleston Classic And uh, and just did a, an early season you know, assessment Where we're at, problem areas, and prognosis And we did it early in the morning So uh, energy's not there But uh, hopefully the contents I felt it Yeah, you felt the energy in that Yeah, the, I really okay. did I hope everyone else does as well Okay, Sam. So, let's talk Clemson hoops. Uh, Clemson just came off of a runner-up finish at the Charleston Classic, um, defeated by Temple, but did have some pretty good showings. So, Sam, we're we're 5 games in. Uh, what is your your overall assessment? I know, and I know it's really too early to know for sure, but what what's your over uh, your overall assessment, your first impression of of the team through 5 games?
0: Yeah, so far, I think we've done better than I would have anticipated coming into the season. Uh, we had a lot of new faces to integrate this year, and they seem to be meshing well for the most part. The game against Temple in the championship, of the Charleston Classic, didn't go as smoothly. We saw some bumps with the offense, um, but the defense still looked good, and the effort is there, which is really the thing that was lacking at times last season. So I'm I'm feeling optimistic.
1: Yeah, we we talked a little bit a little bit about it offline about the defense and that being kind of the biggest concern. Or we talked about it before the season. Um, I yeah i mean last game of the the classic that's a 9 thirty eastern time game we did look a little sluggish uh, we we were sloppy lots of turnovers but i guess like are you are you i guess encouraged by the defense a little bit more um than you would have thought coming in
0: i am i think that the defense was the part that was missing last season and it was the part that run brunell Brad Brunel's teams have been great with in the past, so I was feeling good coming into the season that he'd be able to turn the team around defensively, and it looks like he's got them all on the same page defensively, which is good. Yes, they still miss some rotations and and give up some easy shots, but they look like a team that knows what they're supposed to do on defense generally. Offensively, where we didn't struggle last season, we look less coherent than I would have expected, but we have so many new pieces that it's going to be... Uh, a gelling <laughs> process for the team, I think.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I was only able to watch the, the last two games against Hofstra and and then Temple, and it was, it, it was complete Jekyll and Hyde. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Hofstra just probably isn't that good. They were in a, a zone defense the whole game. We were able to kind of pick and choose what we wanted on offense. Uh, a lot of criticism from the fans of, um, I guess, excess three balls, but, mm-hmm. you know, I... You know, and we can talk about that a little bit too on the offensive side. A lot more threes going up this year. If I look at like national averages, we're just above 20 per game, which is is below the the actual national average. So I, I don't think that's a concern. I'm glad we're shooting more threes. It's just for me, it's a it's a matter of actually working to get better looks. Um, and and guys like Shelton Mitchell actually becoming more playmakers. Uh, and he, I think he's averaging five assists per game, but he needs to become more of a playmaker looking for Reed's offense and Gabe DeVoe's offense versus, exactly. it versus just just trying to get to the hole and then you know look for a sweet finish. But what's your take on kind of the offensive philosophy? Because there is a lot of criticism from, from Clemson fans on a lot of three balls, bad looks or bad shots, uh, et cetera.
0: I am on board with the threes. I like the fact that we're shooting threes. Uh, I just, like you said, I want to see – An attempt to get to the hole. Yesterday's game in the first half, we got them to the penalty with about seven and a half minutes left in the first half. And then we didn't drive to the hole and shot like two free throws after that point the rest of the half. That was a really good opportunity for us to have guys like Shelton or Marquise driving to the hole, picking up fouls on their defense, really getting them in foul trouble across the board. And instead, we started settling for threes. So I think that the threes are good, as long as they're coming after an effort to find a good shot. We can jack up a three whenever we want, but finding a good shot with a good kick and getting it in rhythm is what's important.
1: Right. And unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of the threes that were actually made were not even great looks. They they were contested. So that's just, for me, that's not a repeatable offensive strategy that's going to work through ACC play. Uh, You you know, you're not going to make a high percentage of those contested threes, but um, but I'm with you, though. If we can keep shooting them and get, actually get good looks, like guys like DeVoe and and uh, and Reed as guards, like looking to be more playmakers rather than just guys that can knock a three down then I think we – I mean, and, and so far it, it wasn't bad. It looked bad against Temple. It wasn't horrible against
0: Hofstra, in my opinion. Shelton's um, been doing a really good job, I think, of driving to the hole and either finishing around the rim, getting fouled, or kicking it out to people to get shots. I've seen a good bit from Marquis so far this year as well. He – has been crashing the glass like crazy and resetting the offense. Uh, he does at times pull up in, and, and Jack threes without getting into the offense. He did that once late in the game yesterday that really, uh, I think cost us some of our momentum, but Gabe's performance last night as well, he was 0 for 7 from the field, 0 for 6 from 3. But like you said, a lot of those were forced. A lot of his were last second ones, at least two or three of them were last second ones where we just had to get a shot up and Gabe ended up with the ball in his hands and threw it up and ended up missing. But I think the the guards have done a good job driving and kicking for the most part. It just got a little stagnant in the Temple game.
1: Right. And maybe maybe credit Temple's length and their defenders and athleticism that Clemson. I don't think Clemson's seen a team quite like them. Absolutely. You see, caliber team, in my opinion. Um, let's talk about. Uh, let me. Well, I'll ask you who is your favorite. I shouldn't say favorite. Who is your most improved, uh, most surprising player um, on the team so far this year? And I know there's quite a few candidates to choose from, but who you got?
0: Yeah. I think that. Dante has looked awesome. Dante Grantham has looked great so far this year. I have never been a huge fan of his uh, because he's always felt like somebody that should be doing so much more. It's sort of that Milton Jennings uh, feel from previous years, but he's actually looked really strong. He's had multiple 20-point games so far uh, this season. He was named to the all-tournament team for the Charleston Classic uh, with a couple of 20, 22, and 13, I think, were his point totals, along with a double-double in there. He had 13 and 9 last night. So he seems to be taking better shots this year, which is why his field goal percentage is so high. I think he's shooting about 75% on the year uh, through five games, which is incredibly good. Uh, So he's top of my list. I think Eli has looked really good for the most part. Yesterday was kind of rough for him. He had seven turnovers in the game, a couple of those on offensive fouls, but his offensive moves have looked really good. We started the game yesterday with three straight possessions where he got a bucket down low and looked really good doing it. So those two are the ones that have really impressed so far. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree on Dante Grantham. Uh, he he's looked to me. He's looked a much more improved, much more confident this year. He he took a lot of criticism over his career for going through long stretches of games where he was just invisible. Um, but to me, that's just, that's his game. Like he does, he plays within himself. People get, you know, certain players get criticism for not having that, what they call killer, um, killer mentality or the, uh, what's it called? just
0: Killer instinct.
1: Killer instinct. Thanks, Sam. It's still early here. <laughs> uh, but I, I just don't think that that's within him. However, he seems to be maximizing what he does provide offensively right now yeah, while while being while being efficient and not hurting the team. So I'm, I'm really impressed by him. I and mean, he's also, Sean, um, more, I guess, uh, desire uh, to, to go after rebounds, to play defense. So all around, he's looked like a great player. Um, and, and besides him, I think I think we have, the, I think Reed as well as Mitchell have looked a little bit more improved, a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and they still have long ways to go defensively. But uh, but I, I'm really impressed with just like it seems like a whole year they're playing together. There is something to it that because it's not just the games they're playing. Uh, together you know it's it's all season it's it's a ton of pickup games and i think there's something to be said for that so this is year two i'm seeing a much more just fluid product uh you know the temple game aside um so let's talk about um kind of the prognosis for the rest of the year it's tough to make a judgment on you know on this small of a sample but w- what do you think in terms of going forward does this strike you as a team that can compete for the ncaa tournament or w- what's the gaps
0: we can definitely compete for the tournament. I think that the the prognosis is more or less what we expected coming into the season, or at least what I was thinking. I know the uh, media picked us to finish, I think it was 13th in the ACC. I was higher on us. I'm picking us somewhere in the 8 to 10 range would be my guess. I'm still feeling pretty good about that. We are definitely going to drop some that, uh that we shouldn't, and we'll win some that we aren't expected to. I think the biggest concern, the biggest takeaway from the tournament and from that Temple game is how their length affected us because we're going to be playing a ton of super long teams in the ACC. Duke's gigantic this year. North Carolina is always big. Um, ACC, for the most part, is probably a little smaller than they were last year, but a lot of the young freshmen are still really big. So we may struggle with the long teams and get beat out on the boards which could be a problem. But I feel pretty good about our guard play in general as we've been talking about. Marquise and Shelton and Gabe have all been looking pretty solid. The the seniors and the juniors have sort of meshed. All the returners look good together. So I feel good about the season as a whole.
1: Yeah, I think there's we've established a baseline from this tournament that this is a team that if, if they improve, if they commit uh, both offensively and defensively, it, it could be a line or middling ACC team, like you said, you know, kind of that eight position, eight to 10, um, which could, could get you into the tournament. Uh, I still, I still, I still say odds are against that. I would not bet, bet on it. I'd say it's less than 50%, but um, to me, it's a little bit better than what I thought coming in. Um, let, let me talk to you about one last thing and that is uh, the freshmen. So I heard the, the original pod. You're excited about um, some guys, um, some freshman players. And, you know, I I share some of the enthusiasm, uh, but it's mostly for the transfers, I would say, not necessarily young young players. Uh, I think it was a little bit telling in the Temple game that none of the guys got uh, really much playing time, and I think that, that, that's going to be something that could come, come back to bite us is the depth. But uh, what's your overall impression from some of the younger players, the transfers, and potentially David Skara's um, reinsertion into the lineup?
0: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting when Skara comes back, but for the transfers, the other transfers that we've got, uh, Mark Donnell from Michigan has been really good so far. He seems to be a calming presence when he's on the court. He was the only guy off the bench yesterday to really do much. Uh, he played about 13 minutes, whereas Amir Sims and Scott Spencer got about 15 combined. Brownell really truncated that uh, rotation yesterday, so we didn't see as much from the other freshmen like A.J. Oliver, Clyde Trapp, got in for about three seconds Um So I feel good about Donnell. I think he's going to be a solid contributor. The other freshman, and I'm going to count Scott Spencer in this group because he played six games last year and missed the rest of it to a back injury, but Spencer has looked really aggressive coming off the bench, which is encouraging. He doesn't seem to have lost any confidence not having played last season. Amir Sims looked a little lost yesterday, but the first four games of the season, he has looked great. He's finding good spots on offense to get Dump off passes to finish around the rim. He is finishing around the rim, which is good. He's also shown a little bit of a flash of a handle and some good vision for passing. Uh, the other freshman, we talked about AJ Oliver on the, uh, the podcast last week and how I think he's probably going to be a, uh, a crowd favorite. He's coming out of high school known as a shooter, uh, but really what's impressed me is his defensive effort and his intensity on defense. He's super long and he gets up in people's faces. He's looked really good to me so far.
1: Right, uh, he did come in and hit the three initially against Temple. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say that I, I like both of uh, between Sims and and Spencer as well. Even though he's a second year player, I like all three's defensive effort um, in terms of like Sims and and Oliver though. I, I do see them just kind of more or less completely lost on defense. But like you said, the effort. I think that goes a long way. You know, people think that defense is all effort. It's not. There's a lot more to it. A lot more skill. A lot more awareness. But uh, just just the fact that there is like a desire there uh, goes a long way to kind of inject some energy into the team. But uh, but yeah, I, I think if 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 the rumors are true, if the reports are true about David Scara actually being the best defensive player on the team, then he is needed really really soon. And what's the word on him in terms of his return?
0: Yeah, he got suspended for nine games, uh, which puts him back for the Florida game, which would be an interesting game to integrate someone back in, but that's on December 16th, so we've got another three weeks until we see any of David scar on the court. I still haven't been able to find anything about what the violation was for him at Valparaiso, which is what he was suspended for, something that happened about a year and a half ago, so it's not anything that we did with the program or he did with the program, it's something... Unrelated to his time at Clemson.
1: Got it. That's that's good to hear. Um, so one, one last thing, and I'm I, I want to praise players um, in terms of giving good defensive effort and playing, and because you can see when they're committed on defense and when they're not. I For was sure. a little turned off by the. It, it's something that's hard to say. There's no evidence. There's no. You can't really look at it in a box score. It, just in terms of the effort. Uh, I'm not – I see the guys know what to do. They're a little bit more committed. But I don't see just a, just a, a real commitment from the guards on defense. Um, I think this is going to come back to bite us at some point. And I guess what I mean by that is it's just fighting through screens, um, communication, improve a little bit. But I, I just – ultimately, I think when you play good teams with good guards, like you said, some of these ACC teams with a little bit more length, a little bit more athleticism, I think it's really going to come back to bite us. So uh, overall, I guess, I won't necessarily ask you, but just get your thoughts on on just the overall defensive effort, overall defensive performance, particularly from the guards.
0: The guards have definitely had some spots where they were less focused. Uh, I think Eli... Not a guard, obviously, Uh, but Eli Thomas has has really shown a lot more effort this year than what I saw last year, and he's done it in a controlled manner, so that's been really good to see. He's actually been a bit of a presence around the rim to protect the rim uh, when people get past our guards, but to your point, people are getting past our guards. It's still a problem. Uh, They're slow laterally for the most part. I think effort-wise, Marquise is probably the one that puts out the most effort of the starters and the, the key rotation guys. You see him pressuring people and getting in passing lanes. I think his effort is there most of the time. And Gabe and Shelton do have problems staying focused on defense throughout the entire game.
1: Good point, especially considering if if depth is an issue or we'll just say, you know, Brownell's willingness to play some of the, the depth guys against greater competition. You kind of get to a point where you pick and choose how much effort you're going to put on each side of the ball. Um, we, we'd always like to think that our guys are going 100% at all times, but that's just the reality of it is that's never the case. So yeah. if, if if they are going to sacrifice something, unfortunately, it seems like it would be on the defensive end. So something to monitor I, I, between you and me, um, in Clemson circles, you don't see a whole lot of reporting on defense. Uh, so I want to be I want to be the, the podcaster, the Clemson entity, that will talk about defense, praise guys when they do give effort and, and uh, give them criticism when they don't. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll – Definitely keep a close eye on that, but uh, but yeah, thanks Sam for joining us. You're about to go on a, uh, I guess a little vacation here for Thanksgiving. Yeah,
0: headed over to the East Coast for for Thanksgiving.
1: Is that South Carolina?
0: No, it's Florida.
1: Florida. Okay, gotcha. Well, enjoy your time there. We'll definitely. I think what we'll do is come back with more basketball coverage. We'll have that three four week break after the ACC championship game. We'll go in more depth. We'll have more of a. More stuff to draw on from the, the basketball team. Hopefully, it's it's all good. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Sam. Absolutely, my pleasure.
3: So, Cody, a couple things coming off of that, if I may, um, here before we 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 end the episode. Um, I'm not sold on Dante Grantham. It actually kind of scares me that he's playing so well. Because I don't want to become too reliant on him, I just do not trust. Out of what I've seen at three years, his first three years, that we're not going to get into ACC play against much tougher comp- competition, and we're not going to see him fold. Is there what reason should I have to
1: believe that he's that much improved? Well, he's he's shooting like seventy five percent. There's of course going to be a regression there. there. Like that, there's not sustainable, and, I, and his shot is still. The form is very, very poor. I, I definitely there's he's not gonna keep these numbers. Um, the, the the thing that like the thing about him is in, in within the context of this team is he doesn't have to be great and he doesn't have that in his like he he, he probably played as a post player in high school. He was never a, a creator. So when you when he goes silent for stretches at a time, it's just kind of a it's a function of who he is as a player. It's not doesn't necessarily say anything about his desire or anything like that. But, but something clearly happened last year he he lost confidence in his shot something
3: went wrong and it's not a pretty shot and he relies i still think he relies too much on his outside shot and is too hesitant to take the ball inside now granted this year he's played great so far don't get me wrong
1: well nothing strikes me is like him having ball skills to get from the three-point line to the hole like on a regular basis right. against ACC competition he looked okay. M- maybe he's improved there he looks a little improved this year in terms of just ball handling getting to the hole but a lot of that was against Hofstra well and to his
3: credit I never saw this big of a jump um, uh, in Milton Jennings honestly um, Milton Jennings never had a f- flash like this that I thought it was always pretty consistent. Um, being average, you knew what you were going to get out of him. If Grantham can keep this up, great. Like, I'm excited that he's playing well um, this far, but it, it, I'm going to have to see some more. Again, we talk about small sample sizes in football. Let's see where that goes. Um, and then you guys talked a little bit about, can Clemson, is this the year Clemson makes the tourney? I think this has to be the year that Clemson makes the tourney for Brad Brownell. I mean, he's got talented guys back. He's got talented transfers in. He's got talented freshmen. They got to make it this year, right? They, do they have to in order for I mean, him for to, to his keep his job, job and, and just
1: reasonable expectations for Clemson fans? I think I'm. I go like I think Sam stays a little bit kind of like we're on the bubble, like we're probably on the outside looking in. We're on the wrong side of the bubble. I go probably a little bit further in the in the negative, uh, and, and I'm just trying to make people aware what I saw against Temple is a team that just doesn't quite have the the defensive grit. Uh, from the on the from the perimeter defenders. Well, that's where um, getting Scar back is going to help. He will help a little, um, but either way, you're going to have to roll with Devoe, uh, Reed, and, and Mitchell. Those are going to be your guys, and you're going to need them for their offense as well. So, um, I, it might be the year that they need to win, but I don't. I don't see it. I think it's unlikely. It could happen. Um, there's enough firepower there. It's going to take a lot of commitment on the defensive end, and I just don't see it there. And I also don't see a commitment to. Well, and it's been six games or five games, so we'll, uh, you know, we'll 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 wait to see things play out. But uh, there's going to be commitment to, for other guys to get each, each other's offense. I'm I'm basing this off a of one game, uh one game sample against Temple. Are yeah, you seeing a th- lot
2: of the same things that you saw last year?
3: Not
1: necessarily. Just
2: I got to see like the guys aren't better. rushing shots in the shot clock like they were last year. That's like my one takeaway. Well, they they were yeah. Actually, they were a little bit against Temple against and, Temple, but maybe not. the second into the second quarter maybe. But half. Second half, yeah. That's right. I think, yeah, yeah, sorry, second half. I mean, yeah. do you think Brownell keeps his job when we sign Zion Williamson? I don't think we're going to sign Williamson. I don't think most people think we're going to sign I've
1: already
3: Williamson. gone on record, folks, as saying that we are, because I have nothing to lose. Except your dignity and your pride. I don't no, I have none of that. Is he going so to Calipari.
1: No, I think he's going to Duke. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Maybe Kansas.
1: Kansas is a
3: long shot. We're gonna have to kick both of them off talking about Duke. Um, so bottom line, what you're saying is uh story of Clemson basketball, plan for the worst, hope for the best.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. All right, well thank you, Cody. Thank you to our co-host Sam for the thoughtful analysis as always. We we're happy to be able to bring you guys a little bit more in-depth basketball analysis this season. So uh, football season is not done yet, but uh, for a while we'll be we'll be double dipping here on the show. Um, so stay tuned for that, boys. Any other final thoughts? Nah, just looking forward to the big rivalry
3: game. Uh, again, it's a fun time of the year. I've got my uh, cell phone ready to dial up uh,
2: South Carolina friends and family to rub it in afterwards. Uh, yeah, good time. Cody, I appreciate tonight you did not show up in Garnet. So uh, it's a Maybe the first time all year. He's he does wearing have an an, He's au- wearing an Auburn shirt. An Auburn. Are what are you t-shirt? wearing an Auburn shirt for? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, you know. Somebody buy this kid's orange on it. shirt. There's orange on it. Yeah. yeah, we need to get him some Clemson gear. You were just there. If we beat that team, it's okay. We inherit exactly. their t-shirt yeah. and their territory. So you're going to wear a South Carolina t-shirt next week.
1: If we win, yeah.
2: Okay. All when right. we win. Cool. Well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. We will wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Long show tonight, but uh, always good content, right? And uh, anyway, we will be back uh, over the weekend to recap this game. Thanks again, and as always, go Tigers.
1: And I'm so, I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not. This is
2: not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyd's, the Stefan Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the new Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started
1: this foundation, and all we did is build upon it, and we finished it. It's been 35 long years, Clemson. Y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming
0: home, baby. It's coming home. Let's go.
1: What? What was it with Etienne? His mom?
3: Oh well, unlike you, Cody, we actually promote the podcast with uh, people affiliated with the program.
1: Uh-oh. What are you talking about? ZTn's mom in San Francisco?
3: Huh? Yeah, we hung out with her. No, um, like my she liked this tweet. Uh,
1: what was your tweet? Yeah. Look.
3: Substance. The tweet doesn't matter. <laughs> Quantity,
2: <laughs> not quality. I bet every blind squirrel <laughs> finds a nut. I bet you. Everyone watches right twice a day. Do they have stand
1: power? Florida probably hiring Chip Kelly, maybe hiring Chip Kelly. Tennessee, nowhere to go but up.
3: Maybe. I don't know.
1: Better, more national championship DNA in Tennessee and you know, that sort of thing. Anyway.
3: Every time you think Tennessee has nowhere to go but up,
1: that's a good point. They go down. The back's against their wall, they kick the wall down and just find the new one. Yeah. Um,
2: oh.